Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Kane's Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. Welcome to another edition of the Kane's Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold, and I've got in studio with me for the second time, a return appearance, Sarah Sivian from The Athletic. She covers the Hurricanes. Thank you very much for doing this again. Thank you for having me no, again. Pleasure uh, pleasure is mine. Uh, I'm jealous because, A, you write really well. <laughs> you write funny stuff. I mean, you're very creative. <laughs> and I loved your piece today. I texted you after I read it. Don't tell everybody I was reading it in the car on the, on the drive-in. Um, bad. Very bad. But we were, I was, there was traffic. I mean... Traffic here isn't real. Well, from where I come from, I come from almost in Canada. Okay. So they were trimming trees along the highway, so we were stopped. So I had plenty of time. It's not it's it's not a long read. I encourage people True. Uh, a to subscribe to the Athletic because uh, the writing is fantastic, and B, uh, it's not that long a read. No, it's one of my shorter ones right. to which, the point. Which it got me through the five minutes that I was stopped uh, while they were trimming trees along. Uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. 15. All right, so the storm surge. You've written, but you had written about it before, right? I did. And, yeah, I and, just think like I don't have an opinion on it either way because that's the point, and that's what Rod said today. It's not a. It's not for anybody except the fans and the players, mm-hmm. and so I don't like saying, oh, I love it or, oh, I hate it, because it's like has nothing to do with me. It's none of my business. But when I saw one of my colleagues actually say something like, if I was serious about going to the playoffs or I, I couldn't imagine doing something like that or it would cut into my um, post-game, like, warm down. And, I mean, I guess you have to understand that these people aren't watching the game. Like, I'm sure my colleague is, but they aren't paying attention at the games. They don't understand mm-hmm. the atmosphere and how it's after the game. And it's for 45 seconds. Like, they're done with it by the time I'm sprinting down to do my interviews. And um, right. so... Those assumptions were floating around, and I'm like, no, these people work really <laughs> hard. It's Rod Brindamore's the coach. They're not going to get away with not working Mm-mm. hard. And the way that they have to play, I mean, not for the past two games somehow. That's kind of weird how things are shaping up, right? But um, Winning games, that they're not the better team suddenly? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> no, we never do not recognize <laughs> that for the last decade here. So, But they have to outwork, out-hustle these teams to win. So to imply mm-hmm. that, the first time I wrote about it, I'm like, they, you don't know what you're talking about if you think that this means they're not taking this seriously. And then they fell into a playoff spot. Right. Briefly. Briefly, yes. P- Pittsburgh yeah. won yesterday. <laughs> For so. one great night. <laughs> it was. It, it couldn't even be 24 hours. Pittsburgh couldn't play a night game. We couldn't. Know. And we wake up in the morning, Pittsburgh's already playing almost. Um, so Don Cherry from uh, Hockey Night in Canada, which is now on Sportsnet. It used to be yeah, a CBC yeah, thing, exactly. but now it's on Sportsnet. So Don Cherry... Um, called uh, the Hurricanes a bunch of jerks, which my own feeling on this is I know they're not, 
but Don Cherry and Brian Burke, and I want to get to the point you made about Brian Burke uh, in your piece today, and I saw you tweeted on uh, tweeted out last night. If you don't follow Sarah Sivian, do so uh, at Sarah Sivian. Your own risk. Uh, well, no, nah, you're you're a, you're an incredible follow. Um, uh, I, I will I'm I will admit to uh, going through your timeline to get comments of you know, tweets of yours that I miss. I do. Wow, it's Thanks. no, it's, it's you're that good. Little ego same, boost. Well, I, you were on topics and takes with Brownlow, Lauren Brownlow, a few weeks, uh, a month ago or so, whatever it was. She's also a great Twitter She's follower. A great tremendous follow. Twitter follower. She won an award for it. Really? Oh yeah. There's awards of, for this? Well, <laughs> local goofy awards, but still. Still. There was she won. Um but you're you're an outstanding follower, so I encourage people to do that. Um but so so Don Cherry and Brian Burke, who are the two highest profile critics of the storm surge, uh in a way, I know they're not in on the joke, but in the way I'd like to think they are because their dislike of it and Cherry's over-the-top anger, which falls in line with his personality yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, come on. I think have made it even better. It's kind of exposed the the storm surge to more people because now people's like, what? That? That's appalling. So all the people can have all, you know, who aren't here can have all their opinions in the world on it. But I actually think it's working to the hurricane's favor. Yeah, Not I mean, how quick did they sell out those bunch of jerks <laughs> t-shirts, seriously? And, I mean, it's great when stuff like that can unify people that actually get it. Right. And that's why you know Don Jury is going to say what he's going to say, and it's going <laughs> to come out as it comes out. But it does unify people that actually go to the games here, and that's what it's about. And you hate to dwell in the negative, but, I mean, I think it's, like you said, it has made more of a positive. Oh, sure. I Honestly, I think there's so many people talking about the hurricanes because of that. Maybe they'll actually watch a game. <laughs> and I think, as you pointed out in your piece, again, which was outstanding, in the, uh, the the title was, A Worthy Cause, A Bunch of Jerks, and a Welcome re- Reminder That hockey, The Hockey World Has Your Back. And we're going to get to that, the, the real important part of the story and the headline uh, in a minute is that Don Cherry says they better not do this in the playoffs. And you point out that the narrative, the way people have been talking about this, has changed, or at least Cherry, uh, has changed. So like, wait a second, they better not do this in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least we're talking about the possibility that that's going to happen. I don't think it takes away from what they've done. No. Uh, and I think the people around the league are kind of taking notice of the team on the ices. Yeah, uh, you know, really and that's good. why I hate asking about it and stuff, just because I know, like— these players work so hard, and if you're asking them about something they do 45 seconds after the game, like, I, I don't know, but I'm glad they talked about it today. Right. Yeah, they did. And basically, it's the only thing anybody wanted to ask in a locker exactly. room today it's in a just, practice day. It's everything. It's all over the national news and international, <laughs> continental. Hey, by the way, Linda Cohn of ESPN clowned Don Cherry. Should they do their In the Crease show on yeah, ESPN Plus? Yeah, uh, Yeah, and, uh, right, and... She clowned Don. She said, How can you not like this? And that's yeah. the thing. You see videos of the kids. And I, I made a point to ask Jordan Martinuk and Dougie Hamilton both about that. Uh, Dougie doesn't have kids. Jordan, obviously, brand new father. And he saw his uh, chase. At his the first son. game. Oh my gosh. God, my yeah. heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I asked them both, had you seen the video? And he goes, I mean, Martinuk was like, my gosh, if you can't like it then. You see young fans yep. just standing in front of their televisions doing the clap. 
not necessarily in time, but that's okay. Um, I mean, there's, what do you say to that? How do you, how can you not like that? Exactly. And that's why it's like, who cares what I say? Who cares what Don says? It's that person has that special bond with the team and they're going to be a fan probably forever now because of that. And Mm -hmm. like Rod said, it's fun people. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just the people that hate on it have a certain way of being hating on it so obnoxiously right that like cuz they will just say untrue things about it like oh i can't believe williams is doing this when he clearly is the ringleader of it and he would stop doing it if it was a problem which it clearly isn't cuz they're winning games mm-hmm. and they're playing their best hockey so right. and they don't sit around and plan these things <laughs> out at the expense of preparing for a game. Of course they don't. I can't like, believe people imply that. Like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Justin doesn't tell uh, the strength and conditioning coach for the Hurricanes. Yeah, I do that last set of squats, but Fogle and I are trying to come up with the storm surge for tonight. <laughs> it never. It just doesn't happen. Exactly. Uh, by the way, and uh, I want. I want to write, uh, but if you steal it, that's fine. A ranking of all of their. Storm surges. A, oh, God. A, a ranking of all of them. That would be tough. We're going to have to see after the season yeah. if they think about a playoff storm surge. I don't know they do better that. do that in the playoffs. <laughs> well, that's what I, I asked. I asked Jordan. He goes, how do we not do it? Exactly, yeah. The fans might, if we stopped it, the fans would hate it. Yeah. They would, they and would... it's about the fans who mm-hmm. love it. And even people that come, like there's a picture of Dallas Stars fans Doing it and taking pictures and yelling and being so happy because it's something that is cool to see in person. Maybe yeah. it's something you can't totally understand if you don't come to a game. Do you have a favorite so far? Um, I like the bat flip just because, I mean, Fogel is somebody I love that in a way. I don't know if they're even, I don't know what the intention of doing the storm surge was originally or what it's mm-hmm. grown into, but... um. I love that they had a rookie that sometimes struggles with finishing off shots. Right. Do a bat flip like he'd just done a grand slam <laughs> and like get totally out of his comfort zone and everybody's cheering for him. Like I and then um during the limbo, um Mrazik said he had never even heard of the limbo and like they're all doing these crazy things that they hadn't known about and it's kind of bringing I'm like I'm not trying to get too deep because right. it's like probably not that deep, but I like it's cultures that are kind of Mixing together, it's like an 18-year-old from Russia, a 21-year-old right. from Finland, and maybe they don't totally understand all the hate and criticism and like everything around it, but they're all coming together for some silly thing. They're embarrassing themselves sometimes, and then they get to bond over it after. Right. My favorite so far was Duck, Duck, Goose. <laughs> People only were so be- mad. Well, only because Brett Pesci didn't know the rules. <laughs> he didn't know the rules? Well, I, I missed this. McGinn, he started. He tapped Pesci, <laughs> and then Pesci skated once around and then tapped Tavo Teravano. I'm like, what are you doing, Brett? That's not the rules. Those are not the rules to Duck, Duck, Goose. Brett Pesci to... doesn't strike me as someone who cares about the rules. He might not, but, I mean, he grew up in the same general area I grew up. We all played those games as kids, He's, and he was a kid a lot more recently than I was. I heard but... his dad did the storm surge in um, at Madison Square Garden. Really? <laughs> yeah, when they won. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. By himself? I think he was with some of his family. I'll have to ask. <laughs> I heard that, that um, Canes fans that were there were saying that. But apparently he's out. a riot. So. Um, uh, well, I, Brett's very funny, yeah, too. Yeah, it makes sense to me. All right, so uh, about Brian Burke, who was the first person to hate on the storm surge. 
Uh, and then I've uh, I've come to the conclusion that Sportsnet keeps asking him about it simply to get a rise out of him. That's the thing. Right. And I actually think it's a plant at this point. Like yeah. somebody at Sportsnet likes it and just wants Burke to hate it. So it you know, goes viral again. Who would have thought, right? Like asking something about the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> is what's going to piss everybody off or like be the good ratings. Right. So, but Brian Burke is 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 not your run-of-the-mill hockey curmudgeon. There's a lot of deeper thought and uh, feelings in uh, the Burke family. And I, I didn't realize you grew up so close to them. Um, not close in terms of relationship, but in proximity. Um, although I don't know, but... Um, so you wrote about uh, that Burke is he thinks differently than a lot of a lot of older guys in sports, and you wrote about it. Yeah, um, Burke was the first person to high-profile person to hate on the storm surge, and he's probably the first high-profile hockey person to come out in support of gay athletes. Right. So that's that was pretty huge because his son was gay and came out publicly in 2009, and yeah, I'm from the same hometown as them, and we had a ton of mutual friends from church and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I never really knew them personally, but I knew them well enough to know they're good people. And when he came out, um, his dad was behind him 100%, and then he died tragically in a car accident in 2010. He was a, um, I believe he was the equipment manager of a college hockey team, and he was on the way to a game and got in a car crash. And then the Maple Leafs came to my hometown, and they all, because Burke was the GM right. of that time, and he just said, my son, when he was alive, gave me all the reason to be proud of him, and nothing has changed. And just the way he was such an advocate in the middle of the hockey hub of the world, Toronto at the time, it's just, it's maybe not what you'd expect, and I guess from somebody that would hate the storm surge, but it goes to show you that, like, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. And... um what was I going to say? He, yeah, so he and his son, Patrick, who um, was a scout for the Flyers. Right. Yeah, he created You Can Play, which I'm sure you he- you've heard of it now. Absolutely. Yeah, they did that in his honor. It's um, basically in support of good hockey players, no matter what your t- gender, racial, I mean, racial, anything like that. Like, if you're a good hockey player, you can play. And that's the pride tape that's, in a partnership with Hockey is for Everyone. Yep. It's one of those things. Um, Trevor Re- Van Riemsdyk and James have been a part of it from the start because James and Brian Burke have a good relationship from Toronto. And they've just been huge advocates, so that's a cool thing with the Canes. And it's just goes to show you that good people can have bad opinions about storm surges. <laughs> um, and by the way, the Hurricanes did... The T-shirts are uh, are out, although I believe it's going to be a back order. Oh, yeah. They've sold out of them. But uh, last night, uh, I think it was last night on Twitter, uh, and again, at Sarah Sivian, uh, C-I-V-I-A-N, and no H at the end of no Sarah. No H. S-A-R-A, uh, <laughs> C-I-V-I-A-N. Um, you, 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 you talked about it. This is before you wrote the piece, although I don't know the chronology of all of it. I don't know if that caused you what what I'm about to talk about caused you to write the piece. Yeah. Um but you said, "Hey, while people are piling on Brian Burke, here's more about what Brian Burke is about as a person." Uh and you talked about the marathon that they're trying to raise money for and you said and you said or he he said to you, "If we can set a, we'll set a goal of $1,000." And Hurricanes fans 
came through in a big way. Yeah. Well, what happened was I the whole season when people are like, oh, Brian Burke sucks. I'm like, yeah, this opinion does suck. But and I waited for the right time to say it. And now when people were thinking about sending shirts to people's houses, I'm like, well, why don't you send it with a little donation to this? And then the donations came pouring into Patrick and he noticed and he said, hey, let's make a deal um, if they can get me $1,000 to my goal that he's donating, um, you can play for the Boston Marathon, then I'll present one of these shirts to my dad, take a video of him wearing the shirt. And I'm like, oh, God, they're going to love this. So I <laughs> tweeted it out, and within eight minutes, somebody, Patrick M is his name, he came up with the money, and he said, this is a great cause, this is a great team, I love what both of them do, and it was a no-brainer to me. Sometimes things just work out, which is kind of mm-hmm. feeling how this cane season is working out. And they've donated... Last time I checked, which was before practice, way earlier this morning, $2,200 to this. They've He reached his goal, and now his partner is working towards her goal, too. And it's just how incredible is that? I know, like, mm-hmm. honestly, got a little emotional last night thinking about it. Like, what a great way. I knew this fan base and the way they are, they would try to kill somebody with kindness instead mm-hmm. of being a jerk like <laughs> some people think they are. Right. And I just think that was just really great to see and just even if playoffs or not this was a special team and a special season and you could tell in um the rank saturday night it, yeah it um they had a little, little just short of fifteen thousand, but it felt like more it was one of those crowds yeah. um having been here i don't want to sound like one of those people's i was a fan back when it <laughs> no, was tickets in Greensboro. uh but i've been here for a little bit more than 20 years and I, I got here, and the team played their first two years in Greensboro, and it was what it was. I mean, the home team was seventy miles down the road, uh, and they drew well. And then in two thousand two, they're in the Cup Finals, and then in two thousand six, they win it. In two thousand and nine, they've only made the playoffs four times in Raleigh. That's it, four times in Raleigh. Oh uh, one. They lost to the Devils in six. Oh two, they go to the Cup Finals. Oh six, they win it. Oh nine, they go to the Stanley, the Eastern Conference Finals. They haven't made the playoffs since. And it took a long time for the the attendance to fall off, to really fall off, to the point where the last couple of years, I mean, a good crowd was thirteen or fourteen thousand. They had a few, you know, in the you know opening night would be basically a sellout, and maybe the second game and. They would pick up after the holidays, but it was thirteen or 14,000. Cherry, when he said they're still not drawing, you might want to look at a recent right? trend. Just Google it. The last 12 home games, the lowest crowds are like, I think they had a 13 and change, and last night was just under, or Saturday night was just under 15. But, man, there's a lot more 16s and 17s than there are the lower end of this range, they're probably averaging over, I'd say, 15.5, maybe even a little higher, maybe closer to 16 over the last uh, month and a half. So the product, I don't know what the impact of the storm surge is. We have no idea unless they want to do some viral marketing but uh, or surveys. But I do think the fan base is ready to come back. I, just my own personal read, because having been here in a long time, they're dying for a reason to support the team. Yeah, I think they this team has certainly given them uh, the opportunity. So what do you make of this this run? 
since New Year's Eve. 16-5-1 since New Year's Eve. 82 goals scored. Both of those figures are best in the NHL. Okay. <laughs> what do you make of this? I mean, Nino. Has a lot is, to do with it. I think the front office, what Waddell has brought in with Curtis McElhinney, Peter Mrazek, and all the new guys, and Nino, who's able to kind of fleece the wild, and Dundon kind of taking on a bigger contract, I think. And then Rod getting on board and, and playing these people the minutes that they deserve, giving them the starters net and things like that. Mm-hmm. It like it all just came together, and what they've been doing, kind of the first 20 games of the season, the first half of the season, maybe they kind of, I think December, they weren't playing that great, but right. I think they have been playing the same, and just to see the goals actually go in and... I mean, they're scoring the most goals, and it's like they were supposed to. They had the expected goals that, like, <laughs> God, that stat drove me crazy. Yeah. I'm starting to think it was fake. But then you see it go in easily, and they're like, oh, you can score like this, and they just keep doing it. And I think, I mean, it's impressive. If they can keep it up, that's impressive. They get stall back, too. Um, Walmart doesn't really have to hold down the fort in right. faceoffs, and he can, I think, he can keep going with his curse lifted. I feel like his curse has been kind of <laughs> lifted. Oh, Walmart's curse. Yeah. Yes. Though the, the goal he scored against um, who they play on Friday night, the, Ed, Edmonton, was... in the weird start to the game, and then all of a sudden the goals were gone. Um, but yeah, the, that uh, that was a great shot on a one timer snipe kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah. What uh, upper ninety, but short side high was tremendous from from not the easiest angle in the no, world. I mean, yeah. it was it was he was basically at the. Maybe just a little bit wider the faceoff dot. Sarah Sivian from the Athletic covers the Hurricanes here on the Canes Corner podcast. Um, yeah, you know it's it's weird. Rod, uh, I talked. I, I I walked down the hall after the interviews after the uh, Rod speaks to the media, and I just BS with uh, Brenda Moore. Um, I knew him as a player and as an assistant coach, and I've talked to him a bunch. And he was when I uh, became the radio station's Hurricanes reporter. I reached out to Rod to get his thoughts on players because I had to write a bunch of stuff before the draft. This all stuff, all this stuff happened right before the draft, uh, like two and a half years ago, three years ago. And Rod was really good to me. And we became friends, not the right word, right? But uh, very friendly, open. So I, I, I just kind of BS with him after these, um, these interviews, the, his media scrum at the end of the game, after games, um, and he said to me, the other, he's like, the first time I really disagreed with you he was listening to the radio. And I thought the road trip, they got away with not playing their game. Um, and maybe I was over the top. I don't remember how I phrased it. So maybe I was over the top or I, maybe I might've said they played like trash because <laughs> they didn't play. They competed hard, but there were only like five periods in five games where they were clearly better than the the opponent. The last two in Pittsburgh, they were definitely better than the Penguins. Yes. The um, Pittsburgh game was impressive. Oh, it was and the first the first period was not great, but they were they dominated the game after that. And then a period here against Buffalo or I mean maybe the second period in New Jersey in a game that they lost cuz that's just a, a, a lethargic start. The third period in Ottawa, but Rob was like he loved the way they competed and just kind of hung in. It was different. It was different than what they usually do, but they learned how to ride with that, I yeah. think. And with well, the two games we just saw. So different. Just... 
don't even know. Good goaltending. That That's what that was. And <laughs> maybe some, in some ways, the team that you might have expected at the beginning of the season with good defense. Like Calvin DeHaan has been playing. I think that might fly under the radar, but the way that he protects both of those goaltenders mm-hmm. is awesome. And the stick lifts and things like that on uh, McDavid, I think, it was just oh, yeah. really impressive. Absolutely. Uh, look, as, as a group, and I mean, I think there were some ulterior motives to moving Pesci to the left side. But getting their best four defensemen, their best four players who also have some little offensive ability in their top four has really, I think, helped because uh, Pesci's got a couple of goals in that span. And uh, while Falk's not had a great offensive season, this hasn't been bad. Uh, he's been good. He's still on the top power play. I think you and I would probably agree this was one thing we wouldn't mind seeing Rod do. Yeah, but pretty- I don't think it would make that much of a difference, honestly. Like, it's not like you put somebody on a power play for the first unit for one minute a game and then they start scoring <laughs> a hat trick. But sure, it would I'm probably improve things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the the power play, he, I mean, how much do we blame would you blame Justin Falk for the power play not being great? I don't know. I, I don't think know the blaming Justin Falk is something people just like to do in general. Right. So it's really easy when the power right. play isn't clicking and there's somebody that is really good at power plays <laughs> who's not on it, and Justin is. Right. But he's not the one like barging in saying, "Put me on this unit or <laughs> I'm gonna quit." Look, like, and the I mean the second unit. I don't think the second unit is not all that effective because of Hamilton and Slavin at the top. Yeah, I don't like the I don't like the setup, but I'm not a power play coach, yeah. and I don't know. I think the uh, right shots that is presents a huge problem, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it, you, it's hard to create a power play unit with the personnel that they have. Oh, they have one right-handed <laughs> forward. Yeah, like come one. on, <laughs> that's amazing that they only have Justin Williams. And he, yeah, and he makes probably the most impact on the power play, and it's tremendous. He has been playing like he's 27. Yeah, do you think he'll think he'll do another year? Yes, I do too. I don't know what the number will be. I don't really care. Yeah, what the number will be, but I do think he'll be here for one more year. And I mean, at least I don't think they'll. I don't think he'll sign a two-year deal. I think it'll yeah. be a one-year uh, comeback and you know lead us one more time. Well, what He's- the Bruins do with Chara is they. Sign him to one year, sign him to one year. I think that's what they're doing. Oh, is that what they're doing? Okay. Yeah, they, at least they did that last season. I think they'd do that again next season. And, I mean, the team leaders like that who are older but can still absolutely play and be some of the best player on the team, right. You, I think they there's a mutual understanding that you just see how it goes, see how it goes, but who knows. I think that was the, uh, the last straw. I grew up an Islander fan. That was my last straw with the Islanders when they traded Chara to Ottawa for Alexi Yashin. <laughs> And Yashin was terrible, God. terrible. All right, so we're uh, when we're recording this, we are exactly one week from the trading deadline. About, Ooh. I know you're 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 going to write a trade deadline piece. Check it out tomorrow. The Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> um, three weeks ago, I would have said the Hurricanes would be arguably the most active team at the deadline. Move a defenseman. Move Michael Furland. Maybe move two defensemen. Move a goalie. Move a depth forward. I mean, all of just to to compile Options. assets, uh, also to free up a little space for some prospects that are going to be part of this mix. I, I could see him doing nothing. I know it's crazy how things escalate so fast. It's it's a good problem, and mm-hmm. I have started writing about this already, and I think it's gonna 
show us more than any moves he's made before about um, Waddell's philosophy with his team going forward because he could do anything and it'll show us if he thinks the team's close, if he thinks they need a certain thing, obviously, Mm -hmm. or if he thinks they're just going to, they have the talent, they're going to ride it out or they can wait to make trades. I think that's probably what's going to happen, right? I mean, they, they can't give up somebody like Freeland right now. I think it would be hard. I think it would depend. Depends what they get. It would depend on, like, I don't think it would, de- for, yeah, obviously what you get back for Furland. I don't think you move. You can move him for anything short of a, at least a first-round pick. Yeah. And you might need a first-round pick plus something to really make it worth your while because right now, I mean, we're sitting here, the Hurricanes and the Penguins, uh, are, you've each played 59 games. Pittsburgh's one point ahead. I still, in my heart of hearts, don't believe that's the team that's going to miss the playoffs. I still think it's going to come from either Montreal or Columbus. Those Columbus are the, trades. Um, Panarin? Yeah. And, Bar- and, and Bobrovsky. Yeah, they're yeah. both on the, on the market. But, I mean, they're going to get a player back for Panarin. Uh, they have played very well, by the way, lately. Yeah. Columbus has figured it uh, kind of snapped back uh, at attention. But... I just can't imagine. The Pittsburgh Penguins are not missing the playoffs. I know. I, I mean, <laughs> as much as I might dislike saying it, I mean, just I have been there. And when Malkin and Crosby turn out at the same, they can decide, okay, it's time to play hockey now, yeah. and they will go and be the scariest team in the league for two weeks straight. Right. And so I, I, it's cool that they were the Hurricanes had climbed into that position for 12 hours. But <laughs> the, the truth is, is that Pittsburgh is not going to miss the playoffs. So who among the group ahead of them is a likely candidate? And I've always said that the number was going to be 98 points. And, heck, I could see 98 not even being enough. Um, Tight race. And then you look at the West and it's like, that's not fair. (laughs) Life isn't fair. It's just a quagmire. Um, But I do think that the – as a matter of fact, uh, uh, on the Athletic, the projected standings. Oh, yeah, Dom's the best. All right. Um, he actually has now Montreal behind Carolina. For the longest time, the Hurricanes had like a 50-some-odd percent chance of making the playoffs, but they were the ninth team in the East. Like, wait a second. That math doesn't work <laughs> out for me. Uh, but now Montreal is behind Carolina. I still think Montreal and Columbus are the two biggest candidates to be caught and passed by Carolina, not Pittsburgh. But, um, it, I mean, it, it kind of depends. But I really think that, you know, it maybe it depends on what the Hurricanes do these next three games, the three games before the deadline. You know, Tuesday night against the Rangers. They're in Florida on uh, Thursday. Florida's playing better. Um, and then they're in Dallas for uh, kind of, a, I guess, a reunion game, uh, a revenge <laughs> game for the, uh, oh, for the Stars on Saturday. But then they'll have a full day to kind of digest all of it. Well, I guess we've been saying that for months, though. It depends what they do in this stretch. It depends what they do in that stretch. And now I think it depends what... Maybe CBJ does at the trade deadline, right. and they just have to keep plugging along like they have. Yeah, I mean, the goaltending. I think the last time we talked on the podcast, we talked a lot about goaltending. Scott Darling will still here. Um, by the way, as of right now, we don't know of a resolution to the Scott Darling leave of absence. I mean, I've I've asked a couple of questions and I've gotten shoulder shrug emojis from yeah. the people that I have asked. And you know what? That's Kind of good. Let him sort it out for now, right. and hopefully, like we'll and, see what happens. And honestly, if he stays away, because uh, I don't know Scott, if he stays away and figures out whatever is eating at him, that's fine. Let him, let him, let him sort that out. 
Uh, I hope he can resume his hockey career. I mean, I'm pretty confident saying it's never going to be in a hurricane sweater again. It's just, it just at this point, it's it was, just not. It was a bad fit. Maybe he can go somewhere else. And I, I wrote last year when they acquired him, my only fear for Scott, because all the numbers said he was going to be a good goaltender. I mean, his numbers in terms of save percentage and goals against all the all the all the numbers that you look at in goalies and say, "Oh, he's good." Um, it, it indicated that he was going to be good, except the mentality of being a starter is you couldn't be more different than the mentality of being a backup. It's like a pitcher: the difference between pitching in the eighth inning and pitching in the ninth really... inning in a major league game. Absolutely. I mean, I could totally see Chicago signing him again. As a backup, yeah. To Cam Ward, no. no I'm, oh no! I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just kidding. What a full circle <laughs> thing there. Uh, I don't know, Cam, Jesus. Cam's playing okay. He's I a, haven't been paying Cam's attention. Playing, okay. he's not All great. canes, baby. Yeah, he's not, he's not playing great, but he's playing. He's, he's had uh, he's had plenty of good moments uh, over there. But the goaltending here has been great with Mrazek and McElhenney. Can you find two people that are more different? No, a subscriber told me they saw McElhinney at his uh, at the local library with his family, like picking out books and stuff. And then Mrazek's like beating his chest like Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but Rod was saying after the game, I don't care what they do. Do they just they're making it work? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. how I would totally. I mean, I would never be a coach, but if I was, I would never mess with any type of goalie thing. Just let Mike Bales do his job. Right. He's crushing it, and people in Pittsburgh know that it's no surprise that he's crushing it, and that. Some of the goaltenders there are kind of struggling without him. He was a great, great, great hire. What, what, why isn't he still there? I have no idea. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask those questions. I'm just not going to ask those questions. <laughs> I don't questions. have your answers. <laughs> um, all right, so, yeah, look, it'll depend on what they would get for a furland. Um, I mean, they could move some depth guys, but, I mean, I think ultimately if they move a defenseman, I really think the names are going to be Van Riemsdyk or Flurry more than anybody else. I don't think they'll move anybody else right now unless they get blown away. I mean, somebody if somebody's going to take one of their not Slavin because he's never going. Oh my god! I and mean, people <laughs> say it like they're oh this could happen. I'm like no, but you don't understand. This is not happening. I can confirm. Right. Like this is just for many reasons. This is right. not happening. He made his. Is it true that he made his number? Um, he's keeping his number forever because he felt bad that people would. Buy his jersey. I heard somebody said that. I I don't know, but either way, that's the type of person he's staying here. Right. No. He's anyway. De- he's definitely staying. Um, and as I I know, having uh, read your timeline, uh, when people say, "Well, Slavin for this," like, no, 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 Slavin's better than that guy. Yeah. Oh, so stop it. That. I, yeah. It was the it was the I think it was the Nylander. Yeah. Uh, Slavin <laughs> for Nylander. I'm like, no, the Hurricanes wouldn't do that. Slavin's had more points, He's, too. Right, but, well, that is true. But, yeah, we don't well, want to play that game. Hasn't Saku had more? Have, oh, what a guy. Does he have I more mean, points? Jesus, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Greg McKegg. He, oh, he is. He's. I, I, I think you've tweeted that before. Um, Van Riemsdyk, uh, he's been playing well lately. I think He has been playing very I well. I think you can put Dahan with anyone and he makes them better mm-hmm. because he, you can have confidence to maybe veer out a little bit and – Make it that pass because Dahan's got your back over there. Yeah, but, um, that was such a below-the-radar good signing by Carolina in the offseason. Yeah, the first week of the season, I talked to Waddell about it, and like I was like, what do you think is the most maybe underrated thing because there's so much going around with this team right now? And he said, Calvin Dahan signing. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's right. <laughs> yeah, D- Don Waddell, for, for the guy who didn't want the job, because he didn't, until they got the second pick in the draft. Uh, and then he was told he was taking the job. Uh, for a guy who whose past isn't necessarily littered with 
you know, wild success as a general manager. Uh, and was the move was criticized. Like, oh, I can't believe we have Don Waddell. I'm like, certainly done a pretty good job at this point. I mean, I know people don't like the Jeff Skinner trade, but some trades just needed to be happened for... Yeah, I don't think it's just that was before him. And I think he was... I'm writing about that tomorrow, too. I think Like, he had to clean up everything around the team. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's... You can't look at that and say, yay, I love that Jeff Skinner is a number two goal scorer in the league, but come on. Look, the truth is he probably wasn't going to do that here. of course not. He's playing with Jack Eichel as one of the best centers in the league. All right, uh, real quick before we we sign off, Sarah Sivian from The Athletic. um, Jordan Stahl back. I get the sense that Rod Brindamore is going to utilize Jordan Stahl in a similar way, not an identical way, to uh, he how he was being used prior to the the two concussions. I kind of hope he doesn't because I think Jordan will be better served playing less, uh, and I think you probably get better Jordan Stall if you play him less. Um, but what are your thoughts? Not necessarily how do you think they'll use him. What are your thoughts on how they are probably best served to use him? I mean, can you have a face-off specialist? <laughs> like, <laughs> like a DH. I t- yeah, exactly right. I used to, I mean, I totally agree with that, that they should conserve his energy. But also, I mean, he said this before with Victor Rask, um, that you want to get these guys enough minutes when they come back from injury so they can kind of get back into the game as quickly as they mm-hmm. can. And it depends where they are in the standings, now close there to a playoff spot, honestly, because if it's looking like they're going to make the playoffs, then you want to play him, get him enough minutes as possible before they actually would go into the playoffs, right? Right. But, I, th- I mean, obviously conserve him once you get there. I don't know. That That's a good question. I think it depends on how fast he's progressing, mm-hmm. right? But he needs to come back and do the face-offs immediately. <laughs> yeah, oh, they don't win like, any face-offs. It's yeah, just, yeah. I mean, I realize it's... To say they don't win any is a wild exaggeration, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. I mean, they have just been brutalized. It's so hard to replace that, too. I mean, (laughs) Lucas Walmark, he's, didn't he, he was a rookie. He, like, he's just trying to replace Jordan Stahl. Maybe that's not Mm -hmm. even his primary strength, and he's just trying his best. So, God, like, God bless him. But, um, so how many games over the last, because Jordan's been out for, basically this entire run. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many games prior to this year in the NHL had Carolina's centers played? Aho, five? Because he played like five at the end of last year. Walmart, ten? I think he played like ten games in the last couple of years. Martinook, I think for one year he was a center in Arizona, but and honestly, he's going to do whatever he has to do. But it, it would right. be great to get him back to where he wants to be. Right? And Greg McKegg. Greg those McKegg. are those are the centers that this team is sixteen five and one with. I know that's crazy. It is. It's sort of like we don't have a starting pitcher, but we're still beating you. And I don't understand how that's possible. But that's kind of the way the Hurricanes have done it. It's yeah. kind of been you don't understand when they win, when they lose, and. Um, John Forslund actually, tw- I was saying, like, what do I tell my kids? They're losing in Corsi, but they're winning games. Like, they're losing in shots. And he was like, this is why analytics with this team kind of, it's not, you can't really weigh it too much with that right. because this team doesn't make sense. I, I, I get the 
my feeling is that analytics and hockey are a work in progress. I know that there are people that love and and are devoted. Look at this. Look at the shots for shots. I'm like, how can a team and the Hurricanes have been the poster child for this? And maybe they're the outlier. Maybe it works for every other team. But the Hurricanes have been one of the top three, Corsi and Fenwick. And I know Fenwick doesn't include, I think, block shots. Yeah. Um, but they've been the top, one of the top three Corsi and Fenwick teams for the last three years. And like, so what? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And you saw what was happening in the, you know, after the 4-0-1 start. For, they were destroying teams in shots. They had games over 50 and lose. Destroying yeah. teams in shots. And now they've been outshot like eight times in this stretch. Maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think it's. I just I think either. analytics are a work in progress with hockey. Yeah, and I think what we can see in the public compared to what somebody like Eric Tolsky would do is completely different, and that's actual analytics. When you ah, go to college for a stats degree and you work for a team <laughs> and they don't let you put your info out, there's a reason for that because right. it's useful. Right. Well, <laughs> Maybe look, the public isn't as useful. Their internal polling is different. <laughs> From uh, from the stuff we get, so I when we'll close on this. When you were on with Lauren Brownlow and Topics and Takes, she asked you at the end of Topics and Takes, "Do you think the Hurricanes are going to make the playoffs?" And you said at that point, "Yes." <laughs> now, for a stretch after that, I it appeared no. <laughs> like, "Okay, no." Um, I can see it. I can see I can it. Too. I just... can see it more than I cannot see it. Me I do. I know it's hard, but just it's been it's been a blast. Have you have you enjoyed this this the the way that things have kind of slowly grown? Yeah, and I mean you don't want to you want to be like a hard hitting reporter, especially <laughs> when you come somewhere for you're young by right. like ten years. You come somewhere new. You want to be like the hard hitting journalist, but no, it's been. Just watching even kids and even adults just like loving the storm surge and just some of these guys in the locker room. It's like that is an underrated part of the acquisitions that Waddell and Dundon have made that like they are people you want to root for. And Mm -hmm. like if they made it to the playoffs, it would be 10 times more special than if it's like a hockey robot. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard not to get emotional when fans of the team donate to a good person's cause in eight minutes, a thousand dollars in eight minutes. Like there's something special here and it'd be cool for them to make the playoffs. Thank you very much for doing this again. Thanks for having Uh, me. We'll we'll do a playoff edition. We will. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a date. I don't even, (laughs) it is. Uh, Thank you very much. Sarah Sivian, follow her on Twitter at Sarah Sivian. There is no H in Sarah. Uh, The latest column. uh, I tweeted it out. I retweeted it earlier. A worthy cause, a bunch of jerks, I love that. And a welcome reminder that the hockey world has your back. It's a great piece. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. That's this week's Kane's Corner with Adam Gold. 
Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes radio flagship, 99.9 The Fan. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.